Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield broadcasting again today from the Nebraska State Fair. It's been a busy day at the fair. Livestock are moving in. We've got cattle being shown right now, so we've got a full few days left of the fair. And, of course, folks continue to focus on the markets, and everybody's been talking about how dry it is in many areas. But there's also been the talk coming from folks about what's going to happen with the water and shipment when it comes to grain and export opportunities. We're going to take a look at that and along with the similarities of December 13th with December 23. It's going to be interesting. You're not going to want to miss all this today as Brian Split joins us. He is with agmarket.net and no surprise, Brian, that it continues to be dry and that weather concerns, some have got that component of the industry that continues to focus on the crop conditions. There's nothing we can change about that, but how long do you think this is going to stay as something that has market attention? Yeah, Susan. So, um, you know, I think there's there's been uh, kind of a, a division here recently between market participants that are starting to get very bullish on corn and soybeans because of the uh, heat that we had last week and then the heat that's going to be coming up this weekend and, and coming out of the holiday weekend. Um, and the longer-term uh, bears that are still very, very concerned about demand and, and to put it more uh, succinctly, lack of demand. Um, so I, I definitely do not doubt that there is uh, crop deterioration that has happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think that is probably uh, more of a uh, longer-term supportive issue for the soybean market. Uh, that balance sheet is just very different than the balance sheet for corn. Um, and so if we lose a bushel per acre there uh, or more, uh, we really have to think about how to potentially ration the demand. Um, now, we still have South America um, that will, and, and Brazil namely, that will likely be able to continue to, to supply beans to the world buyers. Um, but on the corn side of things, we have the Brazilian safrina crop that is nearly complete uh, as far as the harvest goes, so that corn is available and will continue to be available for quite some time. And uh, I, I think that's something that we really have to consider, even though this domestic crop may be going backwards. We're, we still have way too much demand plugged into the balance sheet for corn. Um, the issues that you had mentioned with the uh, water levels on the Mississippi River, on the Panama Canal, um, that is going to make it difficult to export the type of quantities that we need to in order to start bridging that gap between where reality is right now and where the USDA has us for export demand. Um, now, who that might be good for is your producers in parts of the country where they can get their product to the Pacific Northwest, or as they would call it, the PNW. Um, so maybe that's your, uh, you know, your, your producers in the Dakotas. Uh, that stuff can get railed west to the PNW, so that might provide some, some basis opportunities uh, for those growers. Um, but by and large right now, um, what's happening with the river system and with the Panama Canal uh, is, is going to make it even more difficult to, to bridge the gap or narrow the gap between um, the, the projections that we have on the balance sheet and the real-world uh, uh, commitments that we have on the export side right now. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought this all up because, you know, when you start seeing mainstream media news talking about the dryness on the Mississippi, the dryness in the Panama Canal area, you know that there's bigger concerns um, than just the grain industry at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, that you know, grain is not the only product that um, moves through these these waterways. Uh, so it it will also have an impact on any goods uh, that need to travel through those through those systems. Um, so it's it's not just going to be the um, the grain industry that is affected by that. But um, I, I think it's something where, depending on where you are producing and where you are delivering, you have to be very aware of, of the potential impacts that this is going to have on, on basis levels uh, come fall. Um, and so if I'm a producer right now and I'm looking at December corn roughly at 480, and I'm looking at November soybeans roughly at 1375, um, and you think about the proximity to contract highs, uh, for both corn and soybeans, the bean market is, has performed much better recently than corn has. Um, the and, and just to kind of give you some perspective on what I mean by that, you know, we had some major lows that were made in corn back in May, and that was at roughly 490. And then from that low, we ran all the way up to just under 630 for our June high. We are now trading below the May low at 478 and a quarter for today's settlement. So we're roughly, let's call it 12 cents below the May lows. Now the May lows in soybeans were at 1130 and a half, 1368 and three quarters for today's settlement. So we are still almost two and a half dollars above our May lows. So when you look at the performance of beans versus corn, I think the producer is going to be looking at selling beans out of the field. Um, that will there, there's only a small period of time where there's carry in the market, which is essentially from November to January. It really does not pay much to store past January. Um, now, on the other hand, you've got the amount of carry on corn from December to July. It is paying 28 cents to store that product. So with the amount of carry in the corn market versus the lack of carry in beans, the performance of beans recently and, and still maintaining a relative proximity to contract highs where, where corn is trading below the May lows, I think you're going to have the producer um, store corn and what they, what they can store, they're going to store. They're going to sell beans out of the field. Um, and so with the desire to sell beans out of the field plus the waterway issues, I think you're going to have a really tough basis market for soybeans. So I think that's something that producers need to think about as they're making the plans for the next couple of months. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We come back. We're going to talk about 13 and 23. It's a now final bell on the Rural Radio Network. Summer is going fast and Husker Harvest Days is right around the corner. Please join us one final year in the Fontenelle Tent at the show September 12th through the 14th near Grand Island. There's plenty to talk about, including the merger into the new Channel Seed brand, our proven performance potential, and an expanded corn portfolio for 2024. So stop and see Fontenelle at Husker Harvest Days. The same local commitment with new possibilities. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Radio Network, I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast at the Nebraska State Fair. And Brian Split continues to join us. Brian, of course, is with agmarket.net. And I found it intriguing. You and I were talking before we started the program today, and you were kind of talking about December 13 for corn, that is, versus December 23 corn. Also talking about from some similarities on the bean side. And it's almost mind-boggling, Brian, at how similar these two years are. It is, Susan, um, and, and we've talked about this relationship over the last several months, um, you know, something that we kind of spotted early in the year. 
in, in January, and I've been tracking it since then. Um, and, and granted, when we did that rally in June, it went higher than we did in 2013. But when that rally failed, it went right back lockstep with where we were in 2013 coming out of the 4th of July holiday. And then we had our, our July rally, and granted this year the July rally went a little further than it did in 2013. But now here we are going into Labor Day weekend to the point where our day-to-day trading ranges are almost identical. So you think about where we had settled on December corn on the Monday for this particular week in 2013. It was at five dollars and a half cent. This week it was it was four ninety-six and a quarter. And then the Tuesday um, in 2013 we had settled at four eighty-six and, and a quarter. This year it was forty-six and three quarters. Yesterday had almost the exact same trading range. So if I overlay these two charts, it was the exact same bar. We settled at the exact same price in 2013 as we did yesterday, 480 and three quarters. Today's trading range, almost the exact same. I think it was maybe uh, a half cent or, or three quarters of a cent larger than it was in 2013. So, you know, who knows? Again, this is, this is not 2013, but it's acting a lot like it. So maybe if, if we could look for 2013 and what to expect coming out of the holiday weekend, in 2013 we actually did open very strong um, that Monday night for Tuesday's trade because we're not going to be trading Monday for Labor Day. Um, the market actually gapped higher coming out of the weekend, but that gap higher was then sold, and then we had a reversal and finished lower on the day. And that reversal was the start of a move over the course of the month that took corn all the way down to about 440 um, by September 30th, which is a quarterly stocks report. Um, and, and it's not just corn when you think about beans. And beans, it's been not maybe the, as, as close of a correlation, but now here we are going into Labor Day weekend. And I look back at November 2013 soybeans and said, okay, well, where were we that Monday, um, you know, for this particular week? And in 2013, that high was at 1409 and a half. And then we, we started to sell off from there for a short period of time. Um, the high on Monday of this week was 1409 and a half. Um, so beans also started very strong to, uh, to the, to the week coming out of Labor Day weekend in 2013. Uh, but that was also a peak that we failed from. Now, maybe where corn and beans differentiate as we, as we look at 2013 is the corn market stayed relatively weak over the course of the month. The bean market really didn't give up until it saw the numbers on the September WASDE report. That was our last shot to see futures pump over 14. It made a high that night for the for the next day session, um, and that was the last shot you had it at $14 beans. And then eventually by October 1st, it was down around the 1260 area. So again, I'm I'm kind of using these as loose roadmaps. Um, and, and I'm going to continue to use it as a loose roadmap until it, it uh, stops working, but it, it hasn't done that yet. So looking at um, export opportunities that have happened, I mean, I had read earlier today, they said there was a bit of improvement, for example, on, on the corn side. Are you happy with the numbers we've seen? I mean, obviously, there's always room for, for more potential, but it seems like the United States has just kind of been pushed to the wayside when it comes to exports. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Mexico has been a, a pretty steady buyer of corn. Um, we've continued to see uh, unknown, which is likely to be China uh, or China on, on any given day. We're, we've been seeing some somewhat steady export business on the on the 8 a.m. wires. Um, 
but I, I don't think we're getting the business that we need to get for corn exports to uh, to significantly start narrowing the, the gap between what the USDA has plugged in and, and where our current commitments are. Uh, I think a lot of people are awfully hopeful that China comes in at some point. And China's had their own issues. I mean, they've been dealing with flooding in a lot of their major growing regions. Um, so you think about wheat, for example. You know, there was flooding a couple months ago that really impacted their wheat crop. And then, um, you know, that has turned into China having some of the most aggressive wheat imports that we've seen in, in the last decade. Now, um, unfortunately, that that's not coming, that business isn't coming to us, but it is them buying off of the general world pile. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you guys? I would encourage you to check out the website, uh, maybe do a free look at our intel. It's uh, www.agmarket.net. Um, you can call us on our general line at 844-AG-MARKET, so 844-424-6758. And if you'd like to talk to me directly, my number is 815-665-0463. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.